Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day, and we help you do Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Most episodes of the podcast also feature segments with the world's most prolific author on entrepreneurship, the author of Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Clockwork, and his newest book, Fix This Next, Mike Michalowicz. On today's episode, we are going to have a frank conversation And of course, like we often do, we are going to dive deeper as we springboard off of last week's topic. Last week, on episode 17, we touched a bit on how to not abdicate everything when you hire a bookkeeper. And we have provided you with a great resource titled, Best Practices on How Not to Totally Abdicate Your Bookkeeping. There are a few reasons why you cannot totally abdicate all of your accounting to a bookkeeper. Number one is the fact that as the owner of your business, you and only you must own the financials of the business. Legally and financially, only you will be the one left holding the bag when it comes to the financials of the company you own. Only you can drive your profitability. Only you can decrease expenses to increase profitability. And only you can increase your margins to increase your profitability. The number two reason why you cannot abdicate your financials to a bookkeeper and or accountant is the fact that you must proactively safeguard your company against embezzlement and fraud. This is definitely a topic that most entrepreneurs, and I'm sure yourself included right now listening to this, think that it would never happen to me. Well, think again. According to the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, quote, small businesses, particularly those that have fewer than 150 employees, are the most vulnerable to employee fraud schemes. They are also likely more than larger companies to experience a catastrophic loss from embezzlement and fraud because they lack appropriate internal controls and owners lack awareness of the risk their companies face from insider threats, unquote. 
And before you say, I'm too small, this would never happen to me, there is nothing to steal. I implore you to listen to this podcast in its entirety. You may think you are not ripe for the picking now, but with each allocation day, you are becoming more and more profitable, my entrepreneurial friend. This is a totally uncomfortable topic, but that is why I am here. I am your guide to help you explore the areas outside of your comfort zone. And please don't be naive to think this would never happen to you because your sister does your bookkeeping or because your brother-in-law is your accountant. You never know where you will find a wolf in sheep's clothing. I have seen a daughter handling the QuickBooks for her father help herself to the company credit cards and business lines of credit to inflate her lifestyle to the point her father had to close his business and file bankruptcy. And somewhat ironically, this business owner had witnessed 15 years prior one of his best friends be totally swindled by his own sister who did the same, excuse my French, shit of helping herself to the company coffers. Again, I am going to harp on this. Do not think this can't or won't happen to you. It starts small and it snowballs. Here are a couple of blurbs from sobering press releases put out by the Department of Justice on the topic. Press release number one. For immediate release, Thursday, June 25th, 2020. Bookkeepers sentenced to 37 months in federal prison for stealing nearly $540,000. Indianapolis woman bought a new car, jewelry, and vacations. United States Attorney Josh Minkler announced today that Kenya Dake, 51, of Indianapolis was sentenced in federal court for perpetrating a four-and-a-half-year scheme to steal nearly $540,000 from her employer, an Indianapolis-based small business. Dake was sentenced to 37 months in federal prison by U.S. District Judge Tanya Walton-Pratt. Dake's now former employer is a local consulting firm that, among other things, helps its clients secure federal grants. Dake, who worked at the company since 2012, was the company's controller and office manager and made an annual salary of approximately $80,000. The investigation revealed that Dake had been stealing from her employer since at least 2015. As Dake admitted in her guilty plea, she funneled company funds to herself by connecting her personal bank accounts to fictitious vendors she created in the company's bookkeeping system. She also made personal purchases on Amazon with company money. The amounts Dake stole were relatively small at first, a few hundred dollars every couple of months. By mid-2017, they had picked up significantly, averaging nearly $20,000 per month until she was caught in 2019. In all, through hundreds of transactions, she stole nearly $540,000, which she concealed by recording the personal purchases and vendor payments in the company's financial ledger as legitimate company expenses. 
Dake spent the stolen money on routine living expenses, such as meals, groceries, and clothing. Significant cash withdrawals. She bought several pieces of diamond and platinum jewelry, a new 2019 Honda SUV, and made multiple trips to Aruba. Through her embezzlement, Ms. Dake took advantage of her position and her employer's trust for her own personal criminal gain. Theft such as this is unacceptable, and today's sentence clearly shows that cooking the books never pays off in the long run, said acting special agent in charge Robert Alex Middleton of the Indianapolis FBI. According to Assistant U.S. Attorney Nick Linder, who prosecuted the case for the government, Dake will serve 37 months in federal prison, three years of supervised release, and the seized property will be forfeited and Dake must repay all of the money she stole. Whew, take a breath. Wow. She started off small, a couple hundred dollars here and there, and then it got bigger and bolder. This is a sad but true and all too common story, article, press release. Every day you can find press releases, articles, and stories like that one or this one, another Department of Justice press release. For immediate release, Wednesday, June 7th, 2017, bookkeeper charged with stealing $1.8 million from small business. United States attorneys today announced that Julie Ann Ashman, 43, of Fairland, Indiana, has been charged federally in connection with a long-running scheme to defraud a small business where she served as bookkeeper. Ashman allegedly embezzled a total of over $1.8 million. Ashman has agreed to plead guilty to federal charges of wire fraud and tax evasion. Ashman served for years as bookkeeper of a Southern Indiana small business specializing in repairing and refurbishing x-ray medical equipment, according to court documents. She was responsible for recording all deposits and payments in the company's ledger, which she provided annually to the company's accountant. She also had access to the company's checkbook. For over four and a half years, Ashman allegedly used her position and access to secretly siphon company funds to her own bank accounts. Ashman cut checks to herself for between $3,000 and $5,000 up to 15 times per month. To conceal the missing funds, she intentionally understated the company's revenue on its ledgers, leaving the company's owners and its accountant to believe the company was barely profitable. She also falsified the check's memo lines to make them appear to be for legitimate business expenses. In total, Ashman allegedly cut 436 company checks to herself for a total of $1,805,015.12. Additionally, Ashman allegedly failed to report to the IRS or pay taxes on the money she stole. She omitted from the company's books any reference to the payments to herself, which prevented the company from issuing her a W-2 or 1099. Further, none of her tax returns made any reference to the hundreds of thousands of dollars she spent on herself each year. In total, Ashman evaded paying taxes of $463,078. Another deep breath. So as we get into this sadly darker 
criminal topic. When you outsource your bookkeeping or hire a full-time in-house bookkeeper, it does not mean you wash your hands of it. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Yeah, you don't wash your hands of it, right? So that's called abdication. I've analyzed myself and, and see where I do struggle with abdication. Abdication is where we assign a responsibility to someone, but we ignore an accountability to it. It's just like, okay, that's your job now. Micromanagement is where we are involved in the minutia and become a distraction, actually a burden to the person doing the work. The proper thing is what's called delegation. So delegating bookkeeping or any function is where we assign the expected outcome, accuracy in the books, capable reporting. And then we have some form of accountability where we measure it, or you can form what's called cross-accountability, where other people are looking into it. Sadly, there is a disproportionate amount of theft when it comes to the management of money when we fully entrust someone with that. And uh, I, I think it was in the, the books by Dan and Chip Heath in one of their books. Uh, I, I, I Don't quote me on that one, but I think it was in their books where they talked about thievery and explained that most people actually, given the opportunity, will take more than is appropriate theft in a small portion because there's a justification for it. If, if you, you put cookies in front of someone and say, listen, those are not for you to eat. Your job is to protect them. It's really hard not to have a cookie because then we justify saying, well, they were put in front of me to protect. Uh, that's my reward mechanism. When you give someone exclusive ability to manage the numbers, it's very easy to justify just taking a little bit off of it for themselves because their job is to manage the numbers. They're protecting it. They're, you're, it's a burden to them. You don't understand how much value you're delivering. It's justified. It's a rare occasion, I understand, that someone steals something and says, I was wrong doing this. Uh, I really felt wrong doing it, but I did it. There's usually a justification. So we need to have checks and balances in place. You, you want to outsource the tasks and achievement of the outcome with measurements. And cross-accountability is where you have other disconnected parties, so there could be no collusion here, but you know, maybe you have a bookkeeper from one company and an accountant from another company, and occasionally you have an audit run periodically and randomly maybe, uh, checking on both those folks, and you, uh, as another person, are looking in, in some capacity. Like, one occurrence, uh, one really simple system is uh, your bookkeeper does the bookkeeping, but you have the statements mailed to your house or now emailed to your private email where that bookkeeper, he doesn't have access to it. So you can look and see the transactions that are happening. It makes it harder for them to cloak things. But if they have all the control, they can potentially steal from it. So this is not abdication by no stretch of the imagination, particularly when it comes to money. There needs to be checks and balances, but it can be simplified. A huge amount of work can be removed off of you and you can simply check the thermometer to make sure everything's you know in check. Our resource from episode 17, Best Practices on How to Not Totally Abdicate Your Bookkeeping, provides a quick matrix on three major accounting functions with best practice recommendations. The resource also includes how to incorporate additional checks and balances on the best practices, plus a what the owner owns checklist outlining exactly what aspects not to abdicate. 
This resource associated with episode 17 is available for download at ProfitFirstNation.com under resources. So why you must incorporate best practices plus checks and balances on top of not totally abdicating everything when it comes to your financials is so that you protect yourself, your families, and your employees from being the victims of embezzlement. Let us count the top 25 ways your business could be the victim of employee embezzlement or fraud. Number one, forging checks. Number two, cashing customer checks. Number three, faking vendor payments. Number four, overbilling customers. Number five, theft of customer credit card data. Number six, padding an expense account. Number seven, double dipping. Number eight, using company credit cards for personal use. Number nine, voiding transactions at the cash register. Number 10, siphoning off cash deposits. Number 11, raiding the petty cash box or safe. Number 12, pocketing cash from fundraisers. Number 13, stealing office supplies. Number 14, stealing equipment or raw materials. Number 15, stealing products. Number 16, setting up fake employees. Number 17, stealing returned merchandise. Number 18, collecting kickbacks from vendors. Number 19, burglarizing company premises. Number 20, business identity theft. Number 21, falsifying overtime. Number 22, failing to remit payroll tax money. Number 23, selling trade secrets, also referred to as corporate espionage. Number 24, claiming company laptop was lost. And number 25, starting a business using company resources. Yes, this list is overwhelming. I hate to break it to you. Embezzlement in small business is tragically all too common. Thankfully for you, my entrepreneurial friend, I am so passionate about forcing this topic to your purview because I have seen it a lot in the companies I've worked for going back to my very early years before I was an entrepreneur and business owner, and then seeing it in companies I have worked with as a mastery level certified profit first professional. So here are a couple more examples of what I have seen when I have worked with other companies. As recounted on the top 25 list of embezzlement and fraud schemes, here are some true stories regarding leveraging payroll or creating dummy employees as common fraudulent ploys. I have seen a payroll clerk in a company add their 17-year-old high school child as a part-time employee to help with a few things in the summer in the office, like assemble new hire packets. But then, somehow, that child was then raking in 25 hours per week during the school year doing some mysterious work from home. The employee running this scam was their 15-year tenured payroll clerk. When I dove into their records, we found this suspicious activity within the last few payroll quarters. Obviously, there were zero checks and balances in this company. 
The payroll clerk had a stamp of the owner's signature to stamp the hundreds of payroll checks she ran every week. She literally wrote and signed the checks. She ran and controlled every step of the payroll processing with Zippo accountability. What should have happened was a second individual should have been involved in finishing the payroll. You get checks and balances when one person starts it and another individual finishes it or signs off on it after reviewing and inspecting the work. The second individual when finishing payroll should review each check and compare it to timesheets. When you give one individual absolute control, you have abdicated and now have placed your company's financials in a precarious position that is ripe for embezzlement or other costly errors. And as a side note, this payroll clerk also somehow didn't accurately track her vacation time. So she actually took more vacation than she actually documented. Dummy employees are another very common payroll embezzlement scam, especially in the construction industry, where you have a revolving door of labor on projects and the checks get handed out in the field. The challenge is that the larger you get, the harder it is to know the names and faces of each employee. And it is also especially challenging as you build remote staff or add other offices. I gotta be honest, I couldn't pick out my claims processing employees in a lineup if my life depended on it because I'm not in our Indiana office but a few times per year. However, I am involved in the final hiring decisions, so there is a check and balance on the identity of new hires and their roles. No one is going to randomly pop up on our payroll. Additionally, we have on our payroll prep sheet a subtle gray at the bottom corner of the worksheet, a cross-reference to the total number of hours we should have on our biweekly payroll based on our current employee count. It's an embedded check in our payroll process. Here's another example of employee embezzlement. If you ever loan or advance an employee money, it is critical that before that check is cut for the loan or advance, you draft a proper promissory note. In all things where there is an HR implication, you absolutely must treat every employee equally and apply consistent practices. You cannot give one employee a loan with interest and give another employee an advance without properly having the documentation and records to support the terms of how that money is being provided and documenting the when, where, and how that money is being paid back. And I'm going to say it because I've witnessed it, but if you loan or advance money to anyone in your accounting department, this is a big old red flag that should serve as your one and only warning to be hypervigilant. I won't get into all of the details and the web of deception uncovered, but the individual charged with the accounts payables functions at one client who had been with the company for over 10 years started borrowing small amounts of money, $1,000 here, $3,000 there, and was very clear on tracking how they were paying it back by keeping a handwritten log on a freaking piece of paper, but with no backup and nothing that tied to any bank records or deposits. So after a few years of fake demonstrating that she was paying back the few thousand dollars here and there she had borrowed, 
she then asked to borrow $30,000. Did I mention that there was no record that any of these employee loans were ever listed as assets on the company's balance sheets? I get that being a business owner is challenging, but your number one job as the business owner is to own the financials of the company you own. These stories I talk about based on my experiences working with clients as a mastery level certified profit first professional are another source of inspiration for this podcast. Every entrepreneur, well, with the exception of one, I have ever worked with have put their blood, sweat, and tears into their businesses. They have risked a lot in their years of being entrepreneurs. Most of my clients are companies doing over $2 million per year. They have all been in business for years, but all of them were struggling with cash in their business. Over time, as they grew and scaled, their companies had little holes where profits would seep out of the business. And over time, they became mysteriously bigger holes. You may not be at the million dollar mark or the $10 million mark, and neither were these businesses when they started out. But tragically, they started out with poor practices. They were winging it when it came to their bookkeeping and accounting. They put enormous trust with zero checks and balances in their bookkeepers or payroll clerks. Here and now is when you ensure your future as an entrepreneur. You cannot be an 83 percenter with your head in the sand when it comes to your financials of the company you own. You must own your financials by being savvy, by applying best practices ASAP, implementing checks and balances on top of the best practices, and then ensuring you have a hand in owning what you need to own in terms of your bookkeeping and accounting without totally abdicating everything. As we start to wind down this episode, let me share with you a synopsis of an article from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, May 28, 2020 edition. The article headline reads, Bookkeeper gets six years for embezzling $719,000 from contractor that did work for Chesterfield County. And quoting from the article, Carlissa K. Jackson was the sole employee responsible for handling the financial transactions at Bernard Huff Incorporated, a general contracting company based in Chesterfield that lays drainage pipe along Chesterfield roads. Authorities determined and Jackson later confessed that she had written checks to herself and sent money to 16 other recipients not authorized to receive payments using the company's business account. She told investigators that she would write about three fraudulent checks a month for about $600 each. The additional recipients of the embezzled funds included various family members and other businesses and financial institutions not connected to her employer, Bernard Huff Incorporated. The prosecutor also noted that Jackson had several businesses registered in her name with the State Corporation Commission. Jackson, who was paid $15.75 per hour at her employer, Bernard Huff Incorporated, also admitted to using the company's PayPal account to obtain money orders to pay rent and utilities for some of her family members. Detectives determined that Jackson took a total of $719,157 over three years beginning in 
2016 and ending in April 2019. She started off writing two or three checks a month for $600 each. Like most episodes of the podcast, we do have a helpful resource on this exact topic, including a list of the following red flags that 78% of small business embezzlers had in common based on a May 2017 article from entrepreneur.com. These red flags that most co- are most common amongst bookkeepers who embezzle include living beyond one's means, including, for example, taking extravagant trips and driving expensive cars, financial problems, including recurring requests for advances and employee loans, another red flag, unusually close association with vendors or customers, excessive control issues. This is one of the biggest red flags. When they give you that hand up stop sign in your face, This is someone wanting to keep people out. Another red flag, a wheeler-dealer type of attitude. And the final red flag, a recent divorce or family problems. The same entrepreneur.com article goes on to provide recommendations on what you should do if you suspect fraud. They are, step number one, contact appropriate legal counsel, such as an HR attorney. Step number two, Engage a forensic accounting firm to assess the situation to include preserving and segregating evidence, whether it's a computer or other documents. Step number three, with experienced counsel, map out a strategy to minimize a company-wide morale problem, as well as to make sure news of the fraud does not leak. All three of the steps just outlined should be undertaken before taking any action against the suspect. Although you have a few options about what to do with the suspected employee, when in doubt, consult with your legal counsel to consider placing the suspect on paid suspension subject to an appropriate fact-gathering inquiry. These action steps, along with the red flags to look for, plus the list of the top 25 embezzlement and fraud schemes hurting small businesses, are available as a best practice resource on our website, Profit First Nation. Dot com under resources. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast, Ron Saharian, Obi-Ron, to those of you in the Profit First world. Ron is the co-founder of Profit First Professionals and the MC of ProfitCon 2020, and he is here to tell us about ProfitCon 2020 in September. All right. Thank you, Danielle. I uh, appreciate you uh, giving me this platform to share about ProfitCon 2020. So ProfitCon is our global event. This year, it's going to be virtual because of the pandemic, and it's the, the, the right thing to do. But we have a wonderful lineup ready for all attendees. We've got some exciting uh, opportunities. There's going to be fun. We've got some great gifts happening. And the event, ProfitCon, all you got to do is actually Google ProfitCon 2020, click on the link, and it'll take you right to the speakers, the about, the agenda. But the date's going to be September 24th and 25th. We've got a lot of great speakers, starting with Don Miller, Mr. Miller. You guys are probably all familiar with him, or if you're not familiar with him, you certainly should be. Don is going to be sharing 
uh, how the power of story can grow your business, basically based upon his story brand book. Uh, he's helped well over 3,000 business leaders clarify their message. So that's pretty cool. We also have another author, uh, John, John Gordon. John, many of you may know him. He's uh, over 20 books, eight bestsellers, everything from, geez, the energy bus to camp training to you win in the locker room. Uh, a lot of powerful, positive thought leadership John's going to be sharing with us. Additionally, we're going to have Lee Hayes. Lee Hayes actually is a agent who books people how to speak. So she's going to be sharing how if you're interested to be sought after to speak on a main stage at an industry event, Lee's going to be sharing how to do that. Next, this is who I'm also really jacked about uh, listening to, John Janitz. John's a small business marketing speaker and expert marketing consultant, and you may have heard of his best-selling book, Duct Tape Marketing, which is pretty cool. That's going to be awesome there. We're also going to have Andrea Lee. She's going to be talking about how we can monetize conversations, okay? And we have our one and only Joey Levy coming up from Panama. Well, actually, he's not coming up from Panama. He's going to be in Panama, but he's going to be sharing how to manage fear and control your mindset. So those are just some of the awesome speakers that we have planned. There's going to be breakout rooms. There's going to be Q&A sessions with all of them. And we've, we're going to, we feel that this, even though it's not live, it's still going to still have the same profit first vibe that um, our members are accustomed to. And of course, not only you, but your other co-founder, Mike Michalowicz, will be in attendance and I think taking the stage as well, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Mike's going to be co-hosting this and he's going to be possibly teaching at the event as well. Um, Mike, the, Mike's awesome on stage. And of course, uh, he's going to be heavily participating in the whole event. Well, I know that myself, my fellow Profit First professionals are really excited. This event is specifically geared towards bookkeepers, accountants, and coaches. You don't necessarily have to be a Profit First professional, but if you're in one of those categories of a bookkeeper, accountant, or coach, then this is the premier fall event for you to attend to really make Q4 2020 rocking for you, right, Ron? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is one of the first times that we're inviting um, accountants, bookkeepers, and coaches that aren't part of the Profit First professional family. So this is an opportunity to get an insider's access look, if you will, at what, what we actually do as a community. And so it's it's an invitation to those that are looking to build their business but are also looking to learn a little bit more potentially about, you know, what our organization is all about. It's not a profit first conference. We're not going to be teaching a profit first. We're not going to be teaching, you know, how to do your allocations. We're not going to be teaching how to do your profit assessment. This is a business conference for to help our members and non-members, hopefully members, grow their businesses and really learn to share the value and benefits of working with them specifically. 
And I know we did a, a smaller virtual event for the Mastery members in May, and you guys really nailed it there. I mean, I felt like I was in the room with everyone. Um, the technology that you guys are using for the breakout sessions and just the ability to connect and, and such was, was phenomenal. So I am so excited and so looking forward to September 24th and 25th. I've marked out the day on my calendar. I might even get... Um, go someplace outside um, and just be able to focus 110% on this amazing agenda and event. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're telling uh, everybody that prepare as though you're coming here live. Don't, you know, schedule appointments, block off your cell phone, minimize distractions. We're doubling down on the technology. We have uh, backup technology, different stages. We're going to have some cool graphics going on, but it, it's it's going to be I don't want to say participatory, but we're going to do our best to keep the energy very high. And then during, of course, the QA sessions and the open mics, they're going to have, uh, it's going to be participatory. Awesome. And um, I mean, you're saving on travel, unfortunately. Um, the tickets are a deal for this lineup of quality of speakers and the agenda and who you're going to be networking with and such. So I really encourage you to Google ProfitCon 2020, and that will then take you to the website and enable you to get your tickets sooner rather than later because um, there's some special surprises that they've got lined up for the early ticket buyers. Yep. And uh, also, uh, registration is closing on August 22nd. Oh. We are closing down registration on August 22nd. So there's limited time. Additionally, one thing that um, I wanted to share, usually in the past, um, one ticket, one admission. Now what we're doing is one ticket, one firm. So if you have uh, multiple employees, you have multiple locations, you're a larger practice, well, you can get your whole firm involved with one purchase of a ticket. Oh my goodness. And Let's just give the ticket price. It is $499, which is a deal, mm -hmm. especially if you can include your whole team in this amazing lineup of presentations and speakers and networking. So, wow, that's awesome, Ron. Yeah. That, that's also the uh, the member price. So you're getting uh, the, the family-friendly price as well, too. <laughs> so the cousin discount, right? Yeah, the cousin discount. You got it. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And just remember, your deadline to register is August 22nd. And I didn't realize that. So sorry we didn't promote this sooner. Google ProfitCon 2020 and get on this right away. Thanks, Ron. Absolutely. And, you know, Danielle, keep doing what you're doing. Profit First Nation rocks. You're doing a great job. And uh, I absolutely look forward to seeing you on uh, the 24th and 25th. Cheers, my entrepreneurial friend. All right. And may the profits be with you. Profit First Nation's website, social media accounts, and related podcasts are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.